Today's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 to 13. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know. That's okay. Just speak up a bit more. Even louder. Yeah. Project to the room as if you're projecting to the meter. Today's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 to 13. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello, everyone. It's good to be with you this morning. Whatever happened to Woolworths? What happened to cassette recorders, sundials, love letters? Things go out of fashion. They've become irrelevant, they've had their day and become relics for posterity. This morning, we ask the question, is the Bible, which is God's love letter, is the Bible still relevant? Does it fit in our modern context or has it too passed its sell-by date? It was written thousands of years ago in funny languages by those who knew nothing of modern life. Science has advanced, values have developed, we're an inclusive society, so is it still relevant to me? People question its violence, its scientific validity. They even ask, is it racist or sexist? How do we deal with these dilemmas? So this morning I want to look at, the, at why the Bible is difficult, what it's for, and why it's relevant. So why is it difficult? It was written in a different age, by a different culture. Reading it in our context can mean it's difficult to understand. Let's have a look at some common issues. The first is science. Modern science, influenced by Darwin, could lead us to look at our world in a way that's very different to the Bible. Evolution, carbon dating, astrophysics can all lead us to feeling a tension between two truths and we ask which one is right? Are they compatible? Secular science would say that they're incompatible. So the Bible must be wrong. Much of modern writing and media and even dear David Attenborough might lead you to feel that somehow you've been misled by the Bible writers. 
but believing the Bible is not a leap of faith. Christian scientists show that science reveals the nature of God and shows that the Bible account to be absolutely true. It shows us the detail of creation and the logic of the world God has created. It shows us that God is a God of order. We live in an entirely logical and predictable world. Summer follows winter, day follows night. God creates and maintains order. If you're interested in the details of how science reveals God, then there's a website called answersingenesis.org where Christian scientists detail how science reveals the truth of the Bible, whether in creation, the flood, the fossil record or DNA. Science and the Bible are entirely compatible. What science cannot tell us is the future. Only God knows the future and only the Bible reveals the future with perfect accuracy. But it's not only the relationship between science and the Bible that can be difficult. Much of the Old Testament might seem to us to be quite violent. How do we square that with a God of love? For example, how could God command the cleansing of the land of Canaan or condone Elijah's slaughter of 400 prophets of Baal? As we read these events, we could wrongly conclude that this is not a God of love, but a God of vengeance. There's an excellent podcast on the Christchurch YouTube channel from the 1st of November where Aidan and Anita talk to Helen Painter. She's the author of the book, God of Violence Yesterday, God of Love Today. And there she talks about how we are to view these violent Old Testament events. They were written from a different world view. Whereas we cherish freedom, they cherished order. So their focus is to highlight and record issues to do with order being restored and maintained. It's fascinating stuff. I'll let you hear the podcast yourself if you haven't already. One interesting nugget is how Helen relates the instructions to clear the land of Canaan. We interpret the instruction God gave Joshua as to kill all the people of the land. In fact, she suggests it's more about removing people groups and their abominable idol worship than the people. Some of these people became Israelites, like Rahab from the city of Jericho. So the Bible is difficult because of the language and the context and the culture is alien to us. But to dismiss it, just as some ancient historical text, is to miss the main point. The Bible is God's love letter to you. Have you ever received a love letter? I think at home we might still have a box full of them. Do you remember the days when we used to write letters by hand? A love letter shows the affection you have. You can't bear to be parted. You're counting the days until you can be together again. They occupy your every thought. There isn't anything you won't do to be together again. The Bible is God's love letter to you. He wants you. He wants you to know him. And so he shows you his heart. In Jesus, he comes to you. He puts right your wrongs. He cancels your debt, gives you new life, a new heart, and he calls you to come. His love letter describes the journey for you to reach him. First, his love letter acts as a mirror. Without a mirror, you'd never know what you look like. A friend says to you, oh, you've got something on your face. 
And the first thing you do is look in the mirror. What's wrong? You need to see the problem before you can address it. The Holy Spirit is that friend. He says there's something not right in your life. And you see what's wrong in the mirror, in the Bible. It's the whole point of the Old Testament law. We're not living in the way that leads us to him. We are instead causing irreparable damage. In Romans, we learn that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. Love isn't true love if it doesn't tell the truth. Tough love it might be as you'd show your children, but it's our only hope. As a mirror, the Bible shows us the state we're in. It's not a happy story. In fact, it's a tragedy. We are in a very dark place. But secondly, the Bible is a light, a light that shows us the way out of our darkness. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So while we may be in a dark place, Jesus is the light who leads us out. He took on our darkness that we might inherit his light of salvation. So God's love letter is both a mirror and a light. But thirdly, it's our maker's handbook. You know when you get a new phone, lots of functions and no idea how it works. At first you fiddle, and then after much frustration you turn to the handbook. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God knows how we work, and he equips us for living in a right relationship with him. So this is God's love letter to you. It shows you who you are, introduces you to Jesus and shows you how to live for him. So it is current and relevant. The French philosopher Voltaire said that in a hundred years from his day, the Bible would have passed into the mists of history as people became more enlightened. Today, Voltaire is dead and his house is a distribution centre for Bibles. The word of God is living and active. In our reading in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talked about the temporary nature of prophecy and knowledge. In verse 8, he says, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. He says, our understanding is incomplete. We're like children, only just grasping the basics. We only just get a glimpse right now. But one day we will see Jesus face to face and our understanding will be complete. The foundation on which we stand is faith, hope and love. Faith, the gift from God which allows us to believe. Hope, the promise of what is to come. And love, the all-encompassing, death-defying embrace in which God holds you in his arms. You might find the Bible tough, but it's in its most relevant when our life turns to crisis. From our hospital bed, we ask, where am I going? Am I loved? And it's the Bible alone that can give us the answer. It's the source of faith that provides hope and assures us of love. This is God's love letter. This is why he's written it to you. It leads us to life because we, then we will see him face to face and then our knowledge will be complete. Voltaire has long been buried 
and Debenham's shops may soon be no more, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Shall we pray together? Father God, we thank you for this, your love letter to us. At times we struggle to fully understand it, but we thank you for the Holy Spirit who reveals Jesus to us through its pages. Thank you that in Jesus we see your heart and love, and we see the cost of that love. Open my heart to your living word, that I may know you more, love you deeper, and serve you now and in eternity. For your glory I pray. Amen.